Hey, we're honored that you've chosen to join us for this episode of Lichen Scripture, for your soul's profit and learning. The podcast for those interested in applying ideas from Scripture in their own lives. Today we are discussing some verses from 2 Nephi, chapters 15 through 19, that we could liken and apply in order to improve. Chapter 15 is an Isaiah chapter. It tells the sad story of the Israelites, and all others the Lord reaches out to, who do then turn away. He starts with a parable. A rich man has built a garden, replete with idyllic growing conditions, planted a grapevine and cared for it well, but does not get the delicious fruit he could reasonably expect. He comments that there is nothing more he could have done, and that he was entitled to expect good results, but did not. If there are not going to be positive results, he sees no point in continuing to maintain ideal growing conditions nor protection from ordinary daily problems or extraordinary bigger problems. The garden or vineyard is a likeness of people, the house of Judah and all others. He warns those that are caught up by appetites, living well but living godless lives, and extends hope to those who live righteously. He returns to warning using a very picturesque description in verse 18, cautioning those that mockingly look for signs in verse 19, and describes a very common modern phenomenon in verses 20 and 21, with more accurate commentary on modernity in verses 22 and 23, and then finishes by describing the relentless justice of the Lord eventually catching up with all such, but as always, his hand is stretched out to you if you will take it any time. And as always, the promise is that the righteous will triumph. In chapter 16, Isaiah explains that he saw God in his glory being praised by angels. Isaiah's reaction to this vision was worry, feeling he was not worthy to see the Lord. A servant of the Lord remedies Isaiah's situation, symbolically burning away sin as the Holy Ghost the baptism of fire, does literally once the atonement makes it possible. Isaiah volunteers to represent the Lord to the people. The Lord warns Isaiah that he will have relatively little success. He asks how long the Lord will wait before coming, and the Lord indicates there are a lot of significant prophecies yet to be fulfilled before he comes in his glory. Summarizing chapter 17. The ten tribes that form the kingdom of Israel and the Syrian kingdom form an alliance to try and overcome the two tribes that are the kingdom of Judah. It looks a formidable alliance, but the Lord assures that he will not let it prosper. More than that, the kingdoms that are forming this alliance will themselves be destroyed in the coming decades. Isaiah offers the king of Judah the opportunity to ask for any sign to prove that Isaiah's prophecies are from the Lord. The king refuses, so Isaiah takes the opportunity to present a sign or testimony of the coming Messiah in verses 14 and 15. Immediately after this testimony, he abruptly returns to talking about the current political situation and reconfirms that not only will the alliance fail, but the plotting kingdoms shall themselves be left desolate. As usual, there's at least one alternative reading. No matter what we may face in life, no matter what persons or powers may combine in an effort to destroy us, 
If we rely on God, they will not stand. They may seem mighty, perhaps even too powerful, yet the Lord's powers are greater and his promises are sure. In chapter 18, Isaiah repeats the assurances given in chapter 17 with some additional detail and utilizing different metaphors. Even so, he simply confirms again that the alliance against Judah will not prosper and that the kings plotting to overthrow Judah will themselves be overthrown. And finally, chapter 19. Here again, the first verse of this chapter is finishing up the thoughts at the end of chapter 18. Verses 2 through 5 can be read in a number of contexts. One is as a direct follow-on from the calamities prophesied immediately before these verses. Those troubled times will come to an end, and consequently people will rejoice and feel they have come out of darkness into the light. One alternative, concurrent or additional context, is more spiritual. We who have gone through calamities, often through our own choices, have the opportunity to step out of darkness and into the light. Changing our focus and our choices to be more godlike, and consequently being cleansed by godly fire and becoming much happier. Another concurrent or additional context is referring to the circumstances brought about by the millennial reign of the Lord. Whether we choose one, all, or a fourth alternative context, they are all brought about due to the coming of the Savior described in verses 6 and 7. Verse 6 seems to mostly refer to his first coming, and verse 7 perhaps more to the second. The remainder of the chapter mentions some specific negative circumstances, as well as promises and prophecies that will be fulfilled before or by the advent of the Savior and his successful completion of his primary mission. Therefore is the anger of the Lord kindled against his people, and he hath stretched forth his hand against them, and hath smitten them. And the hills did tremble, and their carcasses were torn in the midst of the streets. For all this his anger is not turned away, but his hand is stretched out still. Second Nephi chapter 15 verse 25 A reminder and a common theme to all Isaiah, and really to all prophecy from any prophet. There are consequences for our poor choices. Our God always loves us, but that love does not mean indulgence for our mistakes, and especially not for our deliberate poor choices. Yet, whatever our errors and rebellions, His forgiveness is constantly available. His hand is always stretched out to us, ready to hold and lift and forgive if we will humble ourselves and sincerely repent. Then said I, Woe is unto me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Second Nephi chapter 16 verse 5 Isaiah sees the Lord, a potentially magnificent, great and joyous event. But interestingly, his reaction is, Woe is unto me! He believes he is not sufficiently worthy to be in the presence of the Lord. 
One day, we will stand before the Lord. Will our reaction be joy? Or will we say, woe is unto me? If we're unsure, or if we're sure that right now it would be the latter, let's repent and improve while we can. Then said I, Lord, how long? And he said, Until the cities be wasted without inhabitant, and the houses without man, and the land be utterly desolate. Second Nephi, chapter 16, verse 11. So Isaiah has been given a calling. In fact, he volunteered for the calling. But he's interested to know how long he will serve. When will I retire from thy service? The Lord's response is essentially, not until the end. Something to keep in mind when we are called to serve him. Although there are perhaps no specific verses in chapter 17 that I feel to liken, there are some concepts to liken to myself. One of those is, the Lord knows very specific things. Go forth now to meet Ahaz at the end of the conduit of the upper pool in the highway of the fullest field. The Lord commands Isaiah to meet the king in a very specific place knowing beforehand that the king will be there. And, of course, the Lord knows the big picture future as well. It shall not stand, neither shall it come to pass. And, behold, a virgin shall conceive and shall bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Also, the Lord can sometimes answer or inspire without acknowledging our time frame or maybe more while expecting us to consider and respect his time frame. He tells the king of Judah he should stop worrying about the precarious political position right now, and then explains that the alliance will be destroyed within decades, so not necessarily right now. Then, I will show you a sign, and he talks about a sign that will eventually happen more than 600 years in the future that the king will not live to see. We could and should perhaps be more mindful of the Lord's time frame when we are given inspiration or answer to prayer. Our follow-up request might be to understand the time frame for results linked to the inspiration or the answer to prayer to become efficacious in the way we are hoping for. Sometimes it is immediate. Sometimes it could be years into the future. Say ye not a confederacy to all to whom this people shall say a confederacy. Neither fear ye their fear, nor be afraid. Second Nephi chapter 18 verse 12 There are plenty of things to be worried about, but a lot of the things we are encouraged to be worried about are merely fear-mongering. One example of that, the news often tells us how evil Iran is. Having visited Iran myself, and met a few of the people there, and walked about as a Westerner in their country, unaccompanied, I found nothing but friendly people. But we are taught constantly that we should worry about Iran and its motives. Another example is the weather. Somehow, news about the weather, and I mean just the local weather, it's going to rain tomorrow, it might flood... In the past it rained, and floods were a possibility. It seems nowadays that almost every time rain is forecast, 
We're warned about floods. Those floods, happily, in our case, don't eventuate very often, but we're still encouraged to be worried about it. But even if all these things we are encouraged to be afraid of, and all the conspiracy theories currently extant were true, the last part of verse 12 and all of verse 13 would still apply. Neither fear ye their fear, nor be afraid. Sanctify the Lord of hosts himself, and let him be your fear, and let him be your dread. Second Nephi chapter 18 verse 13 At the very least, in the spiritual and eternal sense, and possibly also in the physical sense, we need not fear if we trust in the Lord and we are honestly doing our best to follow his ways. Chapter 19 is another one where I did not have a specific verse that I wanted to liken, but the general concept of the chapter I did want to liken to myself. Are we too involved in hypocrisy? Speaking folly? Creating or perpetuating darkness in some of our thoughts, words or actions? If so, let's step out of that darkness and into the light of Christ, taking full advantage of He who is called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace, so that in our lives there will be an increase of peace without end. If you have previously chosen a verse to liken and apply in your life, review how you're doing with it. If it needs more time, keep up the good work. If it has now become a success, or if you have not previously applied a verse you have likened, we challenge you to choose one verse, idea, or concept from 2 Nephi chapters 11-19 through that you are going to actively apply during the coming seven days. As always, make sure you take a moment to explain to yourself not just what you will liken, but also how you will apply it this week. We sincerely hope this podcast provides you both food for thought and a catalyst to action. You know it is the application of Scripture relevant to you right now and the focus on Jesus Christ in your life that are important and that we aim to support. If you would like to share your success or insights with likening scripture to yourself, or pose a scripture question we could consider answering in a future episode, you can do so publicly on the Liken Scripture Facebook page, or more privately through likenscripture.com. We look forward to catching up with you again next time, when we will cover 2 Nephi chapters 20, 21, and 22. Until then... May you succeed in increasing your joy in the Lord.